When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and joining me from across the pond for our first proper show of 2024 it's john burke of burkereviews.com how are you sir i'm doing very well matt ready to uh start the new year with uh, a review of you know a movie yeah it's a uh, it's a movie i thought you were gonna say with a splash and i was gonna pat you on the back for the dad joke but you didn't now i feel awful for, for saying it mm. myself for putting it out there in the world uh, i say our first proper show of the year this is obviously a come down from the glitz and the glamour and the sex, drugs, and rock and roll of the Bampies last week. If you want to know what our favourite films were of 2023, maybe the most disappointing film, and all of the Oscar categories as well that we partake in, go back and listen or actually watch the Bampies from last week. It's a bumper episode. We don't ever go that long, but it's once in a year we go a little bit longer. If you're on Spotify, you can watch it as part of the app, or it's on YouTube. Uh, check out the link below to watch us for best part of two and a half hours uh, talking about the last year in film. But now for this week, we are looking ahead for the first kind of real release of 2024, the first original one. And by that, I mean not one which came out in the States three weeks ago and has just opened in the United Kingdom. Uh, I've been looking around the internet and most people considering this the kind of first big release of 2024. It's a horror film, John, and the horror film is called Night Swim. Night Swim from Blumhouse, uh, which is sometimes a good thing. Sometimes it's not a good thing. Uh, we'll f- give you our thoughts on what, what side of the fence we fall on in a minute. Until then, let's get to the tale of the tape. It's directed by Bryce Maguire in what I believe is his first feature film outing. Um, he also wrote the screenplay based on a story by himself and Rod Blackhurst. This is based a on short a short film. film. That's right. Yeah. Which was pitched to James Wan, who then... Uh, who's now teamed up with Blumhouse and together they're making films and uh, this is one of them. Now it stars uh, we mentioned this off air the other week and we were quite surprised. This stars Wyatt Russell and uh, Academy Award nominee Kerry Condon and also stars Emily Herfley, Gavin Warren Jodie Long, Nancy Lenahan and a plethora of um, tertiary characters so you know Fairly small cast, but Wyatt Russell and Kerry Condon certainly give some star power to this, or at least some some quality, um, some legitimacy to this. Now, what are the oh wow? Well, the first episode of the year. Now, like we said, we don't give uh, we haven't said, but I'm going to say now. Sorry, this is your first episode. Welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. We don't drop spoilers on this main episode. And kind of week on week, we decide whether a film needs a spoiler minisode or not. This one, we're not going to do a spoiler minisode for. But don't worry, we're not going to spoil this film for you. 
The only spoiler I'll give is I'm going to read the synopsis <laughs> for <laughs> IMDb, which I know JB's got a an issue with, and I am 100% yeah. with him on this. The synopsis from IMDb, get this. It reads, and of course, listen, you, you, you hear what the film is called, and then you read the synopsis, and you think, yeah, that sounds about right. The synopsis says, a woman swimming in a pool at night is terrorised by an evil spirit. Yeah, just so, to pause for a second, the short film synopsis, reads a woman swims in her pool at night but something watches her so almost verbatim nothing uh the the like and yeah uh well can i can i just i'm gonna spoil part of the movie real fast listeners uh it's not just a woman and it's not just at night so the synopsis wrong like 100 percent disproven immediately uh and I'll, i'll even argue i'm not sure after watching the movie, if it is an evil spirit, I mean, I don't fully understand. There's a lot this film does, which I think is convoluted. Shall we say, JP? The title was fu- uh, absolutely ridiculous. Hey, here we go. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Let, me, let me give you this: the synopsis. That was a synopsis from IMDb, which, uh, as John has just said, is clearly BS. It's, it, it does not surmise this film whatsoever. Nope. The Google synopsis, however, is a lot more on target the google synopsis is forced into retirement by a degenerative illness former baseball player uh, major league baseball player ray waller white russell moves into a new house with his wife and two children he hopes that the backyard swimming pool will be, will be fun for the kids and provide physical therapy for himself however a dark secret from the home's past soon unleashes a malevolent force that drags the family into the depth of inescapable terror you mean that synopsis is more on point with what the film is saying there are certain words in there which i don't agree with dark malevolent terror <laughs> inescapable was a feeling i thought watching this uh, but we'll get to that so that is what the film is about family moves into home there is a pool in the back garden and all isn't what it seems so with blumhouse you're either going to get a, a hidden gem or you're going to get an absolute stinker. Either way, Blumhouse mm. is going to get rich from it because the films are made for next to nothing. The budget for this film is $15 million, which seems quite a lot for a Blumhouse film. But how is it doing critically and with the wider audience? What's the reception been? John, Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score, woo, mm-hmm. 26%. Surely the audience Not are going good. to come and love this. Nope. 44% for the audience score. Metascore, 42 God damn, the hits keep coming. Five out of ten IMDb user score and 2.1 out of Letterboxd. 2.1 out of five on Letterboxd, sorry. And if you want to watch Night Swim, if you want your first cinematic experience to be a horror film from Blumhouse, go to the theatre and watch it, because that's the only place that you can see this right now in theatres only. So that is that is all the blurb. That is all the uh, that is all the, the, the other stuff out there. Tale of the tape. Let's get to what we think about the film. One more time. We're not going to spoil the film necessarily, but we might go into certain details um, just to kind of give a little bit more clarity to what we're saying, but we're not going to give any kind of all out spoilers, certainly for the end of the film. Now mm-hmm. I love horror. You know that John, everyone who's been following this uh, podcast on its journey. will know I love horror. It's my jam. It's my genre. And uh, the last few years we've seen, we've seen Megan, we've seen scream come out in January and turn the tables on this you know, January's a dumping ground for films or big films, certainly horror films. Now, Night Swim is the next film to throw its hat into the ring and 
At one point, this was the best film I'd seen all year and the worst because it's the only one I'd seen all year. It's comfortably going to sit in that latter uh, category, though. This film, John, is absolutely bloody awful. And <laughs> I put at the end of my review, which has dropped this evening, that it's not ni- it's never nice to criticise a film. Yes, that's what John and I do as film critics, but you don't want to just dunk on a film. But I, there is literally nothing other than a few minor things in this film which I could point to and say, that's a positive. And that is my honest, genuine opinion. I know lots of other people online have also said this is this is terrible. It's really not a good film. But it's not. It, it's This is a it's a PG-13, which doesn't mean in any way, shape or form it's going to be a bad film. Megan was a PG-13. I had a lot of fun with Megan. Um, Jaws back in the day was a PG. So you know, take that for what you will. But I just didn't buy into any of this i think a lot an awful lot of the uh issues could have been avoided by just simply not going in the pool <laughs> which was the first thing i was like well just don't go in but they have to right russell's character character goes into the pool he has ms and then within a day or two suddenly he's made this kind of miraculous recovery the doctors can't believe it um and it's all because of the regenerative powers of the water um which would be which would be fine if the fact that a swimming pool was in no way, shape, or form terrifying or scary or even creepy. A horror film should not be boring, and this film is boring. There is no tension, there is no atmosphere, there is nothing here no. to make you connect to these characters. There is no connection with the family or between the family. Wyatt Russell's character needed so much more of a bond with his family for me to even give a damn about what's going on. Wyatt Russell. A man, he must have got paid good for this film because he turned up and he is abysmal in this. Genuinely bad. And I think White Russell was a very talented actor. And, uh, you know, you're in the shadow of your father's one thing. Not even going to compare him to the charisma of his father, Kurt. White Russell's his own man, but I think he's terrible in this. I think everyone's terrible in this. Kerry Condon is the best example of somebody trying here to give a little bit of gravitas to this film. And she's okay but they are hamstrung by the script here. The script is, like John said, this was a short film. It's been expanded now. The only good thing I can say is it's only 90-something minutes long, so it's short and snappy, but it's very boring. There, it, Like John said as well, I've got that on my notes. Why is it called Night Swim when the majority mm-hmm. of things happen the day? Night Swim is a very misleading title. I, I get it. It sounds very cool, John, doesn't it? Like Night Swim sounds better than kind of, you know, r- around-the-clock dip, but that is what it is and if you've seen the trailer you've seen the majority of the major set pieces um the young girl emily um amily hofale's character her dedication to keeping her eyes closed during marco polo is very commendable um dude (laughs) so stupid um there's a moment where a, a major moment happens where a character um seemingly dies in the film and you know everyone watches and they're like yeah great they that's over with. Let's just move on. Uh, and it was so stupid. Um, and, and then the, the 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 reasoning behind the pool being haunted was so convoluted and so stupid and so muddy. And they wheeled out the the token Asian spouting wisdom. I was like, guys, what are you doing this for? About this mystical and magical exposition. And she's saying things like, "The water used me as a vessel for what must be done." And I thought, good God, somebody wrote that. Um, We get a Google scene as well. So we get somebody doing a quick Google. That's all I needed to do. I mean, I'm going to pass it over in a second because I am going to go down. I'm going to go for a swim in this absolute 
trot dross in a minute but you know there's a few other things like the cg in this is a is, is abysmal there's a moment where you see this monster and the people i saw this film with the audience burst into laughter because it looked so stupid exactly yeah, God, 100 came out of nowhere and it looked so stupid that's now, so bad is there anything i like about this film because I have just cacked all over it, and I'm not going to lie, I'm not finished, but I don't want to make this a totally horribly negative review. Um, you know, the initial scene, you know, fine, just just get out of the water. I liked the idea of the young uh, kid in this, you know, he's swimming, he's waiting for his dad to throw quarters into the pool so he can pick them up, and he obviously practices diving. You know, there's a scene of him swimming, and there are quarters being thrown in the pool, and we know something's going on. I was like, okay, that's that's a pretty effective idea. I like the idea of that, but it doesn't go anywhere. You know, there's yeah. there there was the, and, and the idea of how the pool became or or the last victim in the pool, the one that we see originally. You know, the, the how that all came about is actually pretty dark. Um, you know, there was a, there was a sacrifice involved. There was two kids, and the mum made a decision. I was like, that's pretty dark. But the film just doesn't kind of play on that or even go anywhere with it. So any good ideas this film did have w- it was just thrown out of the water. And I don't blame the... P- oh, sorry, pun. I don't blame Man. the PG-13-ness of it all t- at all because we've seen we can get some really good PG-13 films. I just think it's lackluster all over the board. And I've already given it one out of five because there was nothing I enjoyed about this film other than the cliché the ending Kerry Condon was okay Kerry and I mean that by the end credits Kerry Condon is decent other than that John I mean even 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 the cinematography is bland the music I think lessened tension here as well that annoyed me what did you think I'm going on here what did you think my friend surely you love this no I also uh, I was texting Sean during it which speaks volumes I don't usually text at the theater Um, but he had like, I don't think I'm going to see it. He had said to me before I went to see it. And I was like, well, I, I have to, cause we're going to, we have to talk about it. Um, and I think at some point I was like, this is torture. It, it's, it's <laughs> literally so much of this film is them acting like something is going to happen. And then nothing happening. And it's not tension. Like someone might, Oh, that's how you build tension. It's not, it's not building tension. It's, it's frustration. It is cinematic blue balls. It, it's the whole time. They're like, ooh, is this going to be scary? No, it's not. It's not going to be scary. Oh, how about this? Is this going to? Nope, it's not. And it's not that it fails to scare you. It literally just stops. Like, yeah. it starts to lean towards, ooh, something's about to happen. And then it doesn't. And it does that for, like, the first 30 minutes before anything finally really happens. Now, I'm discounting the opening sequence. But even the opening sequence isn't really satisfying because they don't completely tell you what happens until way later in the movie. So, like, you get this opening sequence that's supposed to be kind of scary. Um, and I, I've heard a few people, like, comment on the cinematography. Like, you go, like, POV in the in the pool. But it's 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 so over-the-top artsy. Not, it's not even artsy. What is it? Like, uh, stylistic? That doesn't actually serve the purpose. Like, we're supposed to be in the POV of, of uh, Carrie Con Is it Carrie Condon? Am I messing yes. That's right. Uh, swimming. And when you when it cuts back to her, where we can see her there's no way that was a POV. Like she's not doing the motions that the camera was doing. Like it's just like style for the sake of styles. Like, Ooh, what if we put the camera in the water and you'll just kind of see something out of the periphery. I'm like, no, it, you again, just like my issue was with Skinner from last year 
was that Ooh. there was no justification for why we were seeing what we were seeing. It's just, what if? Like, if we were limited to our POV because we were on security cameras, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. They were just, hey, what if we, the d- filmmaker, chose to show you nothing and then play scary noises on top of it? That's a choice, but I think it's a dumb one. And I think same here. It's like, well, what if we put the camera underwater so you can't quite see things because that's how it's like when you're swimming it's like okay is it going to serve a bigger purpose or like well no it'll just look cool okay is it going to lead to a scare no we're going to just cut to the next scene where nothing is happening all right filmmaker how about we try like if, if you don't have 90 minutes of a story then don't make this movie and that's what it feels like it feels like hey we've got this really great short they're like cool we can't sell shorts what if we just add a bunch of family crap around it that doesn't really amount to anything? And at the end, we'll, we'll act like we had a point in a message and it'll come to fruition, but it will feel unsatisfying and wholly uninteresting for the 90 minutes that you are watching. It's like, oh, yeah, let's do that, because that's what this is. It's nothing really redeemable at all. And I want to like I have been actively trying to support Wyatt Russell because he's Kurt Russell's son and I generally like him. But yeah, yeah it, he he seems like he doesn't want to be in this movie, but also is like still trying to be like positive about it. So like you can see in his eyes, he's like, this sucks, but he's trying to be jovial. And it's like, it's not working, dude. And th- the movie like falls apart real hard in the last like 15 minutes because it just goes with every horror cliche imaginable yep. at the end. Like, it's just like, OK, we're here now. It's like, but we're not. I mean, this movie it feels like it wants to be both the shining and Amityville. hundred percent. Amityville, Yeah. And it's got yeah, it like, vibes at the beginning as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cause again, we, we have the, the, the kids are in danger, right? Which is such yes. a, like a, it classic thing, but the kids, I don't know if they really are in danger. And yeah, you, you, the joke you made about the Marco Polo, I'm like, girl, at some point you just open your eyes. Like, I can't believe how committed you are to not cheating. Like unbelievable. And, but worse, because we keep going to her, she has her eyes closed and we keep going to a POV shot where we can kind of see through the cracks of her eyes. Like her eyes aren't shut then. Like either they're closed and you see nothing or she's cheating oh, the entire God. time. And at what point do you just open them? And like you said, respond the, with Polo. God the damn. first creature that pops up. I cackled. I was like, oh, wow, that's bad. And like that happens a lot in movies because it's hard to like if a movie takes so long allowing the audience to come up with their own idea of what it's going to look like. It's hard to match the audience's imagination. And a lot of times if you wait too long, it's never going to live up to what the audience has built in their minds. Why a lot of times horror movies will obscure their villains or whatnot. So you can't ever really get a good look at it. We get a real good look at this one, and it's bad. It, it is so laughable. Um, and, you know, they're trying to recreate the magic of Lights Out, right? Like, Lights Out is one of the, the in the last 15 years, I think one of the best examples of a horror short that gets adapted to a feature that's really solid. And then that filmmaker has had a really good career, with the exception of a lot of people hate Shazam 2, which I, I don't hate Shazam 2, but a lot of people did. Um, I hope it's not the end of, for Sandberg, because I think he's a really good filmmaker. And he's coming back. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm hoping he's going back to horror too. But, he, that's um, his exact words were, uh, well, I paraphrase, but he said um, he, he's coming back to horror. He's got a lot of unfinished business in the genre. He had a great time working on the films he did, obviously Lights Out and the very decent Annabelle creation. And then he said he took a he took a, a detour through the superhero bill, but now he's coming back. So he is coming back to do horror next. 
So, like, that that's what I was really kind of hoping for with this one. And, again, there's... I, I, I am a stickler for rules in horror movies, and my big argument for that is always, like, you're writing them. Just make them consistent. Like, you can have them do anything, but make it consistent. Make it make sense. Make sure that the audience understands what the rules are. And at first, when you make the, the, the haunting isolated to a swimming pool, it immediately takes some of the, the tension out for me because I'm like, well, just don't go in the pool. Yeah. Right. That's, exactly. that's the solution. And in fact, we're told that a family lived at this house for approximately 15 years and just didn't use the pool. Yep. Had no problems, no issues whatsoever. Um, there there movie- are things going on with, without again, without getting into spoilers. Cause I, if, cause mm-hmm. there'll probably be somebody out there who likes this film who's saying, well, hold on. The film makes it clear that this isn't this, you know, the, the, the pool almost controls or possesses, doesn't it? So yes. They're getting inside your head, but still. At the but same but time, I don't think the movie. I see. I I will argue that it doesn't clearly establish that in a way that is consistent, right? Exactly. Like, yes, they do say that, but why? And even the fact, like the water, like they throw this, like the water is built on a well. It's like, is it though? Like, is it really? Is like, doesn't seem like that makes sense. Uh, but okay, I guess. Uh, you know, there's a oh, there's so many things that are just irritating. Um, and. Yeah, it, it's just you see there is potential here. Like, I, in no way am I saying this filmmaker is terrible and he shouldn't never make another movie. But it, it definitely feels more of like a half baked idea that they crammed into a feature length film. And it it you know sometimes a really good director or, or he has a like clearly he has some style, but it's it's more than just throwing flair onto a a project. It needs to have a function. You know, Scorsese mm-hmm. is flashy with his camera work, but it's always to the benefit of the story or to the narrative. And it's not just style for style's sake. And there, there are filmmakers who are like that. Michael Bay is a lot of times his style for style's sake, but even a lot of times that's not true. We might sell short what he's doing, but his messages aren't really that complex to begin with. This feels like a lot of stuff thrown at the wall to see what sticks. And for me, nothing stuck. Um, It all got washed away or rolled down the drain, whatever insert water-based pun here. But Yeah, it, it just did not work for me. And I really wanted it to because we've had some surprise horror movies, uh, the Escape Room franchise, I, which is, I guess, maybe not quite a franchise yet. There's two movies. Um, I really like those. And those, if I remember correctly, came out like January, February time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, Happy Death Day was, I think, a February release, which I really love. Um, I don't love the second one so much, but I love the first one. You know, so like we've had a, a good shift in that trend. And I was really hopeful for this one, like maybe... But it, no, not not at all for me. It, it does not work. Yeah, and it's a shame. We we, we don't want to uh, start the year off with a negative review, but unfortunately, Night Swim has given that to us, and there's nothing else really to say about this film other than at one point somebody tries to literally beat the 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 possession out of somebody with a baseball bat, and I just thought <laughs> you just don't. I'm, I'm pretty sure after the. 70 minute mark everybody involved was like right we haven't got a script so just do what you want make it up along on the day we get in um hopefully i mean listen bryce mcguire's first um first directorial gig you know hopefully he'll get hopefully he'll get another chance to prove himself um use this as a as a learning block experience you know he, he would have learned an awful lot from this as will everyone involved um for better and for worse doesn't matter if your film's a hit or a flop you learn something and you take that into your next project so hopefully he can go on to show us that this was just a um, 
uh, just a little, uh, just a little drop in the pool. And in fact, he's going to make a big splash soon. But um, at the box office, though, this this is uh, currently sitting at just shy of twenty million dollars at the box office on a fifteen million dollar budget. Now, um, I'm sure Jason Blum will be hoping for a, a, an uplift this weekend. But with what's coming out over the next few weeks and the word of mouth, I'm not so sure it's going to get that. So, JB, anything you want to add to Night Swim before we move on? No, I think that's all we need to talk about that one. Right, well, let's move on then, uh, my friends, to our next scheduled segment, which is Concessions of a Cinephile. And here we have a little bit of water cooler chat about anything we want, basically. You know, we may discuss it beforehand, but it's a little bit loosey-goosey in comparison to just talking about, let's say, the big news of the week. However, this week we are talking about the big news of the week, which was the recent Golden Globes award ceremony, Mm -hmm. the 81st Golden Globes, which was of course held at the, uh, in Beverly Hills at the Beverly Hilton as ever and hosted by the uh, tragic Joe Coy. Before I even talk about the winners and the losers, John, I'm assuming you saw the, the Joe Coy monologue and that. I actually didn't see the monologue. I came into it maybe, I guess 15, 20 minutes late. Cause I, I missed both of the supporting actor uh, wins at the beginning. Cause I, I didn't expect those to be at the beginning. Apparently they often are. I guess I've never watched the golden globes before, um, yeah. which I didn't realize until like yesterday when, after I'd already watched this one, I was like listening to people say, Oh, this is how they always do. I'm like, really? I guess I've always just watched like highlights. Um, but yeah, so I missed the monologue and I missed the, uh, and I, I heard enough bad things. That I didn't like Google it to catch up with it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, eh, probably fine um it's not i was excited to see who won uh the supporting role uh for actress especially because she was my win uh my winner for the bampies but um yeah i I did watch i would say about two-thirds of it i i I dipped out before the last hour especially because they already gave best director and i was like okay uh yeah i was like how are they gonna do this for another hour and then um i missed like the first 15 minutes or so so Uh, i have no interest in staying up to watch the globes it was on at 1 a.m uh uk time on the 8th of january so of course that's uh early evening um uh, on the west coast of the united states on the 7th of january and you know the oscars i'll stay up late for the oscars i usually do I, i usually stay up pull a late one and watch the oscars and then follow along with all the fun online with the so the 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 twitter film oscar people sorry enjoy that kind of stuff but the globes i'm just not really that interested in whatsoever and even the baffers i might watch those but you know i'm, I'm an oscars guy but yeah joe coy's monologue if you got guys if you want to listen to it go and watch it on youtube it is it, it, it is quite hard to watch because this this guy this guy he his jokes aren't landing and he's throat and he's saying, look, I, I didn't write these, you know, blame the people who wrote these. The only jokes you've laughed at, the ones I wrote, he's throwing the writers under the bus. Not, not, not once, three times, I think it is as well. And not more than once. He said, Oh, I, I only got the job 10 days ago. You know, so uh, give me, give me a break. He is up there kind of trying to gain sympathy for his awful, awful, um, hosting at the beginning is uh, monologue and blaming the writers. It's got, dude and there's a great shot from behind him when he drops a gag about character actors um uh the the the, the setup or something about ugly flat-footed people and he's like oh hollywood calls them character actors and just you just got to look at the faces in the crowd people are 
and I just nonplussed, not pleased. You can think Selena Gomez puts her head in her hands at that moment. You can see it all in one shot. It's fantastic. Um, and then he, he mentioned Taylor Swift, and I know a lot of the Swifties have got upset. I mean, that's the only thing, which I don't think was a bad thing he said, but... Um, you know, Swift are going to Swift, aren't they? But for the Golden Globe Awards, then JB, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because obviously we did the the band piece last week, which was you know our personal favourites of the year, which may don't always align with the Globes, the Baftas, or the Oscars. But it was interesting though to see who took away the um, the big awards. It is a precursor to the Oscars. People do look at this as kind of a well, just that a precursor to the to the Oscars. If something wins best, if somebody wins best supporting here or best actor slash actress. Will that then bleed into the Oscars? A lot of people seem to think so, JB. But um, it was, from what I understand, though, it um, and looking at the list, it was a pretty. Uh, there was no real standouts or surprises in the in the winners list. You know, there's one or two which maybe I would change, but it seems to be a pretty uneventful night in terms of the actual um, awards. Uh, I'm assuming now you've gone through the awards, JB. What are the ones which stood out to you? Well. Um... You know, I, I honestly the the winners and, and stuff were spot on from for like most for the most part. You know what I'm saying? Like I had no real objections to uh, any of the wins. Like I don't feel like anyone majorly got snubbed. Obviously, the one challenging part about watching the Globes is that it's TV and movies, and I don't watch a lot of TV. So like, there's a lot of that stuff where I don't care. I did care that uh, we got Io and. Um, uh, Jeremy Allen White winning for the bear. Cause that was one show I did watch and love. Um, so I was very excited to see both of them win, especially IO has been just in such an incredible year, 2023 for her. Um, everyone who's, I think every cinephile in the world is like fallen in love with her as an actress. Cause she's just in so many things. Um, but, and uh, Nolan winning director, uh, I think is a big precursor. I think it kind of cements the likelihood he gets the Oscar. Uh, and for fans like me, um, I think we feel long deserved. Uh, you know, I don't think he should have got it for Tenet, but I would have easily given it to him. I don't know, like four, like I, I was shocked. He didn't get it for Dunkirk. I was really surprised he didn't get it for interstellar. I could see it for inception. And honestly, you know, dark Knight uh, would have made sense too. Uh, although maybe they would have, maybe people would have put the asterisk next to it because of the ledger thing. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm a huge Nolan fan. And then hearing his speech, when he won was, was huge for me because I think, you know, when you like compare him to Snyder, Snyder seems to think highly of himself. And I think Nolan thinks highly of himself, but there's like that subtle difference of, you know what? It's the American British thing. Uh, as much as it pains me to be the one saying that I am the American, but it's like the brash, overly confident, arrogant personality that Snyder seems to come off with, and Nolan comes off as very humble and confident, but also like kind and loving, even in his acceptance speech here, he, you know, he refers back to Heath Ledger. And then he talks about Robert Downey Jr. He says Cillian's his partner in crime for 20 years. Like there's so much kindness. And um, even I heard someone say that, I think that uh, it, it was like, like he, he expected it, but I don't know. I didn't, I didn't feel that when I heard it. I just was like, I mean, he, I think he deserves it. I think he has proven himself time and time again. He is clearly passionate for this craft and for the art behind it. Um, while also making movies that are much more blockbuster esque in most cases, I, I would say Oppenheimer maybe is his most, um, 
prestige type movie, even over the prestige, uh, you know, where there is the, the nature. Yeah. The nature of a biopic is lends itself towards Oscar bait. Um, but the way he did it isn't, you know, like he didn't go at this as a normal biopic. He did it the way Nolan does movies. He messed around with time. He played with this idea. He cross cuts throughout the entirety of the film, things he's done time and time and time again, things that people who are fans of appreciate. So, um, I, I was really into that. Uh, you know, I, I love that Lily Gladstone one. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, the, what Oppenheimer won best picture Oppenheimer won best drama but yeah I forget the Globes also I I do like that the Globes does comedy I just wish it didn't merge it with musical um because mm. it, it like I, I I'm we've talked about the genre thing a few times I'm I'm all for more genre awards because I think it would be cool for movies to be represented that will never get the opportunity or rarely get the opportunity like horror films rarely get the opportunity but um and those I think are important to the industry. I think they, you know, a lot of actors start in those genre films and then they work their way to the dramatic prestige roles. Um, you know, it'd be nice to see them getting honored early on and, and having those categories, especially, you know, even if I, I would be for it being televised, but even if they didn't televise it, like, you know, have a precursor, you know, awards that these are our genre awards the day before or whatever, you know, something like that. But um, yeah, and poor things getting a lot of love was exciting for me because I a, a lot of people haven't seen that yet. But I'm a huge Yorgos Lanthimos fan, and I really love poor things a lot. Obviously, it was my number five. Um, I think it was yes. five. Um, it was, yeah. So it was it's cool getting this, to see it get its recognition. Yeah, I'm seeing it uh, this week. It comes out this week in the mm. United Kingdom, uh, so I finally get to see it and see what all of the. It's funny because um, not to make it a poor things episode, but there's a lot of people now. I don't know if it's a seemingly new backlash, but it seems to be a backlash against the film and Emma Stone's what she's being asked to do in the film. And the um, I haven't seen a film, but I'm aware that the character is uh, has a, a I don't know how to put it, but she is a, she is a kid in an adult, adult's body or something along those lines. I know that, and I know a lot oh. of people are getting pretty upset about some of the portrayal she's being asked to do. I don't know what it's all about, but I, all that's... I know is sorry, go on. I just I think that's ridiculous because um, one that's that is part of the commentary of the film, but two, uh, Emma Stone and Yorgos have a really good relationship, and like all of her, <laughs> it's it's not exploitative at all. Even though she is naked through a lot of it, um, it it's a different. It, it doesn't feel male gazy uh, in a way that mm-hmm. other films would have made it feel, and she seems in power in those scenes, which I think is important. Um, to the well, to the character actually but that's it um, and emma stone wouldn't have said yes to these to this if if that wasn't the case and i mean look at what barry keoghan did in saltburn probably to a much smaller degree but i wasn't really hearing the same things about that you know yeah and i mean i i've i knew lanthimos is not for everyone anyways and i knew this movie would have backlash when i saw it because it's like well this is not a mainstream movie with but it has mainstream actors in it and it it has Wes Anderson vibes, uh, especially aesthetically, um, like costume and production. Uh, but like, what if it was almost like, I don't want to quite, I feel like it'd be overselling Tim Burton, but it's like, what if Tim Burton and Wes Anderson movies had a baby kind of vibe? You know, it's not quite as gothic as a Tim Burton film, but it's still like that weird. And again, Lanthimos has a very distinctive voice, but his style has changed. I think uh, none of his films look exactly the same. Um 
you know, this is more in line with the the costuming of like the favorite than it would be from Lobster or Killing of Sacred Deer, which are much more modern in their style and setting. Um, but okay. this also feels uh, even even um, I'm, uh, Jean Jean crap Amelie's director uh, Jean Pierre there it is. Uh, I was like, I know it's Jean Pierre, um, but yeah, yeah. Like, there's that kind of the color palette has that kind of pop to it. it reminds me more of a not as much Amelie as much as much as a City of Lost Children, but yes. that that kind of aesthetic to it, which I really really mesh with. It's it's not for everyone, but I was excited to see it getting some love at the Globes. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it this week and just hearing your uh, opening salvo there puts any kind of issue I would have had at rest. I'm, I wouldn't have gone in with the idea that it was a uh, an exploitative film or anything like that. But now I trust what mm. John says. I, I'm just going to put it down to the usual, you know, cover your ears, some people, but internet outrage syndrome. So um, back to the s- Globes. And, oh, sorry. Go yeah. on. I was going to say with the Globes, um, a couple of things that really bugged me while watching it that I thought, uh, maybe showcased the problems with the the actual production of the Globes is like every time someone won, they did not know how to get to the stage from their seat because it's like round tables and everything's kind of like clustered. And like you seeing these, you know, celebrities in these expensive outfits look lost and look scared and look nervous because they're afraid of like they're going to trip or they're going to fall or they and it would take so long for them to get up there they would give their speech and they were quickly being rushed off of the speeches which is fine to a degree but especially if it's consistent if everybody's being rushed off versus like you rush off the poor sound guy but you let the other person talk or whatever or you rush them off because they're talking political or whatever like if everyone's being consistently you get 30 seconds that's it cool i'm okay with that um but like when they would do the announcers like segments when they were getting ready to announce the awards they would have the the announcers turn their back on the live audience, which is like a weird choice. Yeah. Um, Which I understand like, okay, you've positioned the camera here, but it's like, they're really presenting it to the audience more so than they are to the TV viewer. Like we're watching because we want to see all the celebrities. So it's weird to like put them behind you. And then uh, obviously all of them felt really badly written for the most part. There was a few that worked. The Costner America Ferreira one was Costner was bad uh he oof. america ferrera was trying real hard to make it work and and it was just not working um and then uh i like it, it, yeah those those are the two things i thought with the production it just felt really badly decided like decided and i don't know if there's a better situation for them getting to the stage but i do feel like maybe you need to have a plan and it did not seem like they had a plan because the where people were sitting was so random and there's two different like layers of that uh, you know, the Oscars is more of a traditional theater thing and it takes them a, a while sometimes, but nowhere near as awkward as it was at this place. Yeah. It's, they've been, I mean, this, they've been doing the globes at the, the Beverly Hilton for about the last, well, the last two or three decades. It's you know, I think it's like the early nineties they've been doing it here. So it's not like it's a new building and they haven't quite worked out all the kinks or the, the floor plan. They've been doing it in the same room for 30, for almost 40 years. So um, not entirely sure about that, but yeah, I mean the ceremony. It just everything about it just looked and felt smaller. And watching, I've watched all of the highlights. I've watched the the clip of Christopher Nolan's wonderful speech. Um, I respect the American English British uh, differences there. JB well said, um, well handled uh, with him and Snyder. The and mm. I've seen. I've just the, the room just looks kind of cramped, and that does. doesn't really help for me 
I know a lot of people put a lot of prestige in the Globes. I don't necessarily, but that's not for me to then project on everybody else. But just seeing how cramped everybody looked, it just felt smaller. It isn't the Oscars. It isn't whatever, but it just felt that bit smaller. Um, but they have got a ton, a ton, a ton of categories. And um, as we said up top, um, I don't think there's any real surprises in in the winners. I think most of them were expected. Even if I, even if I'd say, oh, I, w- I wish that one had won. I think most of them were expected. Uh, Oppenheimer was uh, that was up for eight um, Golden Globes. Uh, Barbie was up for nine. Uh, Bar- Barbie went home with a few. It went. It, it took home a new award, which was kind of a little wink and nod to what the Oscars wanted to do. Barbie won the Best Cinematic and Box Office Achievement Award, basically the b- biggest uh, earner of the year, which is obviously the the Oscars were going to do that most popular award, which quite rightly got hounded out of town. And um, what was I made for? Billie Eilish's song from Barbie won for Best Original mm. Song. Now I was hoping I'm just Ken would win. So if I had yeah. to make if, if I had to make a decision, and I and I love Billie Eilish and I love a, the song, yeah, I'm giving it to Gosling and Ken, man. But you know, and look, Eilish won the Oscar the other year. You know, let Ken have a go. Give us some of that Ken energy. But no, it's a really good song. What was I made for? And Billie Eilish is a uh, I really like her music, so very pleased with that. But um, Oppenheimer, yeah, won Best Drama. That beat uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. It beat Maestro. Like you said, Nolan took home Best Director. Killian Murphy won for Best Actor. Robert Downey Jr. took the Supporting Actor. Ludwig Janssen took the Best Score Award. So Oppenheimer is going into the Oscars with a full head of steam. I fully expect Oppenheimer to sweep the board as much as possible at the BAFTAs, obviously because of the whole Nolan and the British angle to this. I expect it to do well there. And yeah, like I said, Lily Gladstone made history with her win. She delivered part of her speech in the Blackfeet language to honour her Native American heritage, which was uh, very cool to see. Again, it's a culture and a language of which I'm not uh, au fait with, but I'm always so interested to see people bring in a little bit of themselves to these, you know, admittedly lavish, garish, star-studded events. Um, you know, lots of people will say there's a vanity to them, and there is, of course there is. We all, And that's part of the reason why we love it. So to see Lily Gladstone, who looked great on the night, you know, conversing in, in her native language, I thought that was... Um, I thought that was fantastic. But other than that, yeah, not not an awful lot of surprises. Devo- Divine Joy Randolph won for Best Supporting Actress uh, for the Holdovers, which is your, which who was your choice for the um, for the Bampies. There was an awful lot of television stuff, and I've I've heard of all of these TV shows, but I never watched any. Anatomy of a Fool won for Best Screenplay. I have no issue with that. I think it was damn good. It also won Best Non English Language motion picture of course i would have given it to past lives but anatomy of a fall was really very good uh the boy and the heron though john this has surprised a lot of people and i want to get your thoughts on this because we both really enjoyed that film but in the best animated uh, the best motion picture animated category you had suzumi great wish pretty good super mario fine elemental was okay um and then you got spider-man across the spider-verse and the boy and the heron and um miyazaki's film won and a lot of people are saying, wow, that's a huge upset. What, what, what are your thoughts? Because we both love both of these I films. Mean, I mean, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse was my number one movie, period, not just animated. So I I totally understand giving it to Hal Miyazaki um, and Boy and the Heron. And it's definitely got more prestige behind it. And given the nature of the votes, right? Like, I, that's my concern is that 
I think it's going to get votes because people are going to have that prestige behind it, even if they didn't see it, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially with the Oscars. Like, oh, can the you see it category, the then? I, I didn't think so, but, and obviously Globes are not a guarantee of a precursor. Yeah. We've seen movies get win and then be completely shut out of the Oscars as a result. Um, but yeah, I, I am much more worried now that Spider-Verse may not be a lock. Like, I kind of thought it was a lock. Um, because it just has like so much going for it. Um, and boy and the Heron, obviously great movie, not, not in any way am I saying it's not, but it, it doesn't, it didn't have nearly the pull, like even just as a theatrical release, like it did not come locally to me still, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I think it's already pretty much out of theaters at this point. Um, and Spider-Verse was in theaters for like ever, you know, yeah, and that was at money. the heat of the summer, right? Like that wasn't like in the, in December at, you know, when there's nothing coming out for like, literally there was a weekend in December where nothing came out. Yeah. And boy, and the Heron still didn't go full everywhere. Like it went wide, but it wasn't everywhere. It wasn't mm-hmm. in every single major chain. And I know that simply because it wasn't here. I had to drive to see it. Um, and that, that, so, you know, it, it, that element is kind of more of the shock to me that it was a smaller release, you know, and yet it's, it's how Miyazaki is his last movie probably. Um, and t- to be fair too, the, the Oscars have snubbed him Do for most have? of his career with the exception of spirited away real, you know? Uh, and I mean, before spirited away, I think it was almost like no nominations, even much less um, the the years he didn't win. You know, I think, um, I think pretty ha- much House gets nominated. There's um, a couple, yeah, and even Joe Casey didn't has, yeah. has never been a, a nominated for his work on the scores for any of the films. So you know, uh, it, it is one of those things where like maybe that that history or that you know that part of the history will influence the decisions. And then again, I think a lot of, a lot of the Academy voters don't watch animated films. Uh, we, or they've literally made that joke at the freaking presentations, you know? Which is ridiculous. Um, yeah. So like, I think that plays a factor too, is that th- they, they will now they will have more likely they'll know spider verse because it's, it's Spider-Man. It has a big cast in it, you know, Oscar Isaac's in it, blah, blah, blah. But the voice cast for boy and the heron is huge. It's yeah. Hao Miyazaki, so there's prestige behind it. And then winning the Globes, I, I think it's more likely that it wins the Oscar now than it was before the Globe win. Okay, then for, again, I'm throwing all the questions at you, you here, my friend. I'm throwing all the bombs. It's not really, it's not even a bad question. It's a, it's, I think it's a question I'd love to know what you think. In, in terms of film circle, then in terms of the critics, in terms of what we do, and it's just in terms of the people who are perennial, perennially online talking about films of who we respect, do you think they'd be surprised? Do you think it'll be a surprise in the film community if the boy and the heron wins, given the assumption that from from a lot of us, the Spider Verse will win? Do you think it'll be called a surprise in the industry? Not no, obviously the wider audience, the, the kind of quote unquote casual fans, will probably say, "Oh man, I thought Spider Man would win. What's this one about? What's this boy and the bird all about?" But in terms of the people in the circle, do you think it'll be a surprise to them? Um. I, I I don't know, man. Like when I listen to the the year end review stuff, uh, I've heard Spider Verse on list way more often than I've heard Boy and the Heron in like the top ten. Um, I think I think there is a big appeal of 
uh, Spider-Verse. Like, just obviously, especially, I mean, when you look at a, a year that had seven superhero films and most of them mm. weren't good, you know, like, um, or, or like, did badly, I should say, even more so than weren't good, you know, like, they just legitimately did not do well. Spider-Verse is the exception to that. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think there's some some room uh for uh, i've totally lost my train of thought man um but yeah i i do think uh it seems like spider-verse is respected yep in all of those areas in the film circles in the cinephile uh, i know a few people who didn't like it that blew my mind but um and, and obviously i think uh spider-verse has one major criticism that you hear over and over again from people which is that it's, it's not a complete movie which yeah. i don't agree with Yes, that, I, that's not a criticism which I'll, I'll allow because we knew there but, was another film coming and a lot of people and even so i still think they finish this film i think they they give you a epilogue and or a prologue to the next movie at the end of this movie but i do feel like the story of this movie concludes um and the the boy and the heron though arguably it's confusing at times some of it feels disconnected and it is whether intentionally or a result of having to share uh, the workload for a change, something Miyazaki has not done previously, uh, as, yeah. as all the legends report. Um, so both movies have their criticisms. And to me, a lot of people are, even if they do have that issue, like that, it's always a caveat. I think this movie's great, except that, you know, I think it's great except for, and that's like the one little nitpick, right? Both movies are exceptional. And so I don't know. I, I would, I would love to see Spider-Verse still win. Um, I do think it's the better movie of the two. As much as I like Boy and the Heron, it's not it's not my favorite Miyazaki, and I don't um, I don't think it's as impressive. Like, like God, that seems weird to say because I totally think it's impressive. I think it's very impressive. I just think Spider Verse is that much more impressive. Like all of the things it's doing, all of the 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 layers and the the evolution from the previous film. Um, it's it shouldn't be able to top itself and it seems like it does i don't i never fully felt that way because i love into the spider-verse so much but i've heard a lot of people making the argument that the second movie uh elevates the material even more and i was just like i think it's on the same page as the first movie but Mm. i think it elevates it but i but i mentioned that in the bamps bampies but only because i think uh, I, I only, and I don't mean that elevates because the first film was so badly written or anything like that. I just mean it took what was so good about the first film and it didn't deviate off course. It continued with that and it gave a very rich experience, which for me has taken what came before and has taken it up a notch because they haven't rested on their laurels. They haven't just done the same thing. They have yes. carried on the trajectory and it's gone in an upward fashion for me, which would then essentially I mean it's elevated it but i also know what you mean that there are other people who are kind of was putting down like say into the spider-verse by saying that when into the spider-verse was when it came out i was like this is the best superhero film of the year and it's one of the best films of the year and similarly with across the spider-verse it won both of our best animated features last week at the bampies the only i mean i would love to see the boy in the heron win regardless of what i chose as my best animated feature because of the romanticism around it but there is also that little bit inside me jb that into the spider-verse won best animated feature now let's just say hypothetically across the spider-verse wins as well we could be looking at i think i think i think i think 
we could be looking at the first ever trilogy of films each to win a best something feature oscar in this case it would mm. be best animated all three of the films could be best animated feature which would be historic but i don't want for example miyazaki to be overlooked just for a kind of hypothetical or oh, wouldn't it be cool if the spider-man films all won the best animated feature if i, I could see i could very much see a scenario where into the where the boy and the heron wins and i think in film circles i think it will be seen as a a good thing i don't think there'll be too many people other than the more superhero centric outlets who would be too upset i think it would i think people would just be saying hopefully that wow we got so many good animated films this year uh, or at least a few we got those two uh, we got things like suzumi which is in there i know you really like eternals uh, sorry, Elementals, not Eternals, Jesus. Elemental. So there was. Uh, I'd like people to think, well, in a year where there was a, a few great animated films, you know, we're all winners here. But um, we'll see. We've only got a few weeks now until the Oscar nominations are revealed, probably about a month now. But uh, wrapping up then with the Globes, Paul Giamatti, I know you loved him in The Holdovers. He won for Best Performance by an Actor in a Musical or Comedy. Uh, Poor Things won the Motion Picture for Musical or Comedy. And Oppenheimer won the Best Motion Picture for Drama. Uh, like we mentioned earlier on, I believe that's all of the awards. Uh, yes, it is all the ones we've mentioned. So that is uh, that is the Globes. Nothing really stood out there. I think other than Joe Coy's kind of tone deaf monologue, it's you know the, it, it wasn't great. The jokes weren't very funny, but it wasn't like it, it wasn't the, the worst thing he did was throw his fellow writers under the bus and try to put self pity on himself when he really didn't need to. Um, other than that, I think it's a pretty inoffensive um, ceremony. People, the right films won, according to most people. There were no mishaps. Nobody opened up the wrong envelope. It was a pretty straightforward uh, globe. So we haven't got any drama or controversy to talk about this year. Apologies to that, everybody. And for those who are, who want to know, Succession won Best Television Drama. Uh, Kieran Culkin, Sarah Snook and Matthew McFadden took home Golden Globes for their... Mm-hmm performances in that show as well i haven't seen it but my buddy luke Bly of star wars sessions tells me it is a fantastic show one of the best shows yeah, he's seen like in it. the last decade um obviously behind the mandalorian season one and two of course um but yeah the globes jb anything else you want to add then anything which you've seen from the globes which makes you uh think we're going to see anything wild at the oscars uh no no that's i i got nothing else to add i'm ready to move on enough let's with the do globes. it then let's move on from the globes next up will be the baftas and then the oscars and then the litany of um association awards that will be coming out very very soon this is a bit man i love this it's like christmas for film fans i love the awards we don't all put stock in all of them i'm not a huge fan of the globes but i still enjoy seeing who won because it does lead up to the to the super bowl which is the oscars and i know not everybody likes that but i do i love the oscars and i know we'll be covering that here on the bamp as well but until then let's move on to our next segment jb media consumption where we talk about the movies tv shows video games music podcasts which aren't ours whatever we have used to pass the time since our last episode jb what you've been checking out well i've i've gotten back into wrestling uh which if you look through my life um it has always been kind of like a roller coaster like really into it in the in the like mid 80s when i was young i was super into it i kind of fell off in the early 90s and then came back just before the attitude era really picked up um and then dropped off in like the early 2000s right after the DC, the wcw wwe merge uh, like i was into it for about six months and it kind of was like well done 
And then I got back into wrestling like 2009 until about 2014 or so. Um, and then I've been pretty much like, it's always kind of around, even those times when I'm not watching it, I'm like aware of it, but I'm not watching it. Um, and the last year or so I've slowly been kind of like keeping up with it more and more. It's been like creeping onto my Instagram page and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like actively watching WWE and AEW. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's easy to throw on. Uh, sometimes it's very cringy. Like some of the performance stuff where it just feels so <laughs> like they're trying to improv, but it feels improv, which never works for me in any scenario. I, I don't like, like, I love improv that feels organic and natural. I hate improv that feels like improv. Um, yes. and a, a lot of it does feel like that where you like, you, Oh yeah. You want to talk some trash? It's like, ah. Uh, Nobody, nobody talks like that. Come on, like it sounds, sounds <laughs> so fake. Done that in wrestling for the last fifty years, though. But the ones who are good at it, like, and obviously there's standouts throughout history of wrestling, like The Rock yes. being one. Um, uh, there and there are, like, I think Cody Rhodes is really good on the mic. Um, CM Punk has always been incredible on the mic. Even sometimes he he'll say things where I'm like, I feel a little cringe, but he still it's just he just sells it. Sells it. Yeah. Um, and then we there could are be like the, Ric Flair and just be coked out of your face and just woo all the time. Yeah, but back in the old uh, days, early Flair was really was good at cutting promos. Later, like especially like WWE, like post two thousands Flair, very clearly like not fully aware of what's going on. And he's back right now, not wrestling, Jesus. but he uh, Sting is retiring after all these years, like um, in March on AEW, and he brought Flair in as like a manager. So Flair is managing okay. Sting for like the last two two months of matches and flair okay. does look like he is a little lost at times like there's he, times where he, he looks like he has no idea what's going on getting on a bit um, now we'll, we both we both agree that the iron claw shows that there there is only one rick flair when it comes to charisma <laughs> and just natural exuberance you cannot you cannot Which, uh duplicate that and the iron claw is part of the reason that in the video games got me kind of back into uh wrestling slowly and then that was like um i've i because i need a distraction and uh sometimes like movies or tv are too i have to pay too much attention wrestling i can kind of just look up when i want to um yes. it's it's performative sports like uh, you know i am i am aware that it is scripted but it is far from fake and it, again if you've ever listened to any wrestling interviews they get real offended when you call it fake uh scripted they're 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 okay with in kayfabe which is the idea that it's real that was the old like they would pretend that everything was like as far as like the views yeah. and stuff, um, that's kind of faded and there's like more of a meta quality. I think it's, it's essential with social media because so many of the wrestlers are on social media. They, mm -hmm. they tend to break kayfabe a little more in interviews and stuff now than they used to. Um, like they acknowledge that part of the business, but they're doing stunts on live TV that are severely dangerous. Like they're taking huge risks. Um, and it, it, like, I'm pretty sure I saw a dude's nose get broken like two nights ago. Uh, I was watching AEW on Saturday night and the dude's nose got like, I think he got hit on accident and yeah. the amount of blood that was coming out of it was like, that's not, that's not fake. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like you that wasn't intentional. The obvious one, but I man, I always loved going back to this, but I remember cause I used to watch it during the attitude era. I used to watch it when I was younger, but obviously that attitude era kind of came around at the right time for guys of, uh, of the same age of you and I, but the hell in a cell, man, when Undertaker throws mankind off the top of the oh, cell. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, I've always understood the kayfabe and the uh, and and the agreed angles, but try and tell me that being thrown twenty feet off a cell onto a a table onto a floor through everything else isn't going to severely hurt you. And it did. It really messed him up, Mick Foley. And if 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 I came over to Florida, and I hope this happens, and I, and and you suplex me, 
onto a yeah. surface, it's going to hurt me, and it's probably going to hurt you as well. And just yeah. stuff like that. You, you, I, I, I know what you mean. It's whilst it may not be like full on whacks and kicks and punches, you know, these guys are still getting roughed up each night. Yeah, and not to not to, but I've been watching wrestling, and then um, not nearly as many movies. Uh, I, I oh, caught wow. anyone but you again. Um, second time I saw it, but this time my wife wanted to go, so we went and saw it in the theater. Did she like um, it? She did. Yeah. Um, I I think I might have liked it a little less the second time. Uh, just I don't know. I I don't know if that's fair. I still like Glenn Powell a lot, and I think Sydney Sweeney is solid. Um, some of the jokes just aren't great but uh also although I, this time i was very obsessed with i didn't i've never read crap i forgot which which shakespeare it's based off of um i've not read the shakespeare and or seen the movie much to do about nothing um and what i didn't freak? realize i didn't realize it was that based on it until this run so like i was really focused on that so that might be why i was like maybe too academically watching it where i was like oh that's this that um and i was also trying to like simultaneously read the plot of much ado about nothing because i've never read that particular work of shakespeare um but cut the 1976 star is born uh it's it's not good watch the the bradley cooper one instead um the holdovers i rewatched. uh love that nice. movie that movie went up in my ranking having rewatched it um the settlers which is a new film that my review is up at disappointmentmedia.com Ooh, and that? i watched michael clayton aha uh-huh, okay Dude, that movie's so good. I this have never is, um, seen it. The guy who's doing Ander, isn't it? Uh, oh, I don't. Tony I'm not even sure. Gilroy. Oh, yeah, I think you are correct. And then George Clooney, Tilda Swinton, yes. uh, incredible in it. And then, oh, I'm going to feel terrible. The guy just died. Is like the third lead. Tom Wilkinson? Yes, it, man. Uh, not the reason I watched it, but it was like good. It was a few days after he passed out, I decided to watch it. Um, and yep. he just happened to be in it. And I was like, Oh, this, okay. I've been, this has been on my watch list for a while. Uh, blank checks talked about it. The big picture show is a big supporter of it. It's on the rewatchables. Like it's a movie that people, I really admire their opinions on film have been raving about. And I just never really had any reason to watch it before. Um, finally did. And it was, it's excellent. Uh, and then playing Baldur's gate three. Um, I'm, very much into that game it's a lot of fun uh, i do have the uh the nudity turned off though uh i, I can't yeah it's a apparently it can get very graphic if you if you want it to be i i don't i don't play video games for that reason even though so, you could do that uh, this game apparently uh and i will say they despite not having nudity on it it is very hard for like they make romance a predominant part like characters are constantly like hey you're hot and I'm like stop i just want to like <laughs> i just want to hit that that animal you, thing John. over there like what are you doing like i'm here to i'm here to like have adventures like not not sexual adventures but the game seems to want to push that on you um adventure which, first drink later yeah but uh well that's what i've been uh consuming what about you uh not as much this week um and again rest in peace tom wilkinson very uh very fine actor who's done been mm-hmm. in many many good films um I haven't seen any of the films you've watched this week. I uh, certainly haven't watched them this week. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on them further, though. I've been listening to Dead Meat, Dead Meat Podcast. I enjoy what those guys do over there. I've uh, been watching them on YouTube, been watching the Kill Counts. I really enjoy their Kill Counts. a really fun way to review films. If you haven't seen them, do check them out. Of course, it's all horror-based, so it's very much a bit of me. Um, I watched a film called The Beekeeper. We'll save my thoughts on that, and you'll find out why very shortly. 
but there's a Sky original film. It was the unlimited film this week as well in the United Kingdom. So it's and it gets released today, I think, for or certainly gets uh, further screenings today upon recording this. But I also saw the um, new Netflix film Society of the wow. Snow one of the bigger films to come out this week. Um, I'll drop a quick review of that on the old Tiki Tock, the BAMP TikTok during the week. But this is based on the, the 1972 uh, Uruguayan Andes flight crash, which was also told in the f- mid-90s film Alive, probably most famously for that. However, this film is probably a little bit more uh, consistent with what happened, certainly in the depiction of the characters or the nationality of the character, the, the cast playing the characters. But uh, I'll give my thoughts on that film on Tiki Tock. Suffice to say, though, I thought it was a very good film. Uh, but that's about it, though, JB. I haven't really been doing too much. I've been under the weather this week. I haven't been, I wasn't very well this mm. weekend. Um, so I haven't really been doing an, an awful lot this well, I'm sorry week. to hear that. No, all good. I think it was just a post Bampy's come down. It actually happened like, the day after the Bampy's. I woke up and I was like, damn, I feel like death um oh, so that man. was my weekend was just basically chilling out but i think i was just so excited for your picks for the bampies plug in our show last mm. week guys go that's check what it, it was it was the adrenaline it's like i can't you know i can't take this anymore um but no you're much better now thank you very much jb um and uh, i'm glad the show's back as well the show's back in its standard format obviously next year we'll be back with the bampies in january but next week we'll be back with a normal show but before we get there you know, we have to make sure that we stay bloody awesome in order to give you the bloody awesome movie podcast. Otherwise, we'd be nothing but fakes and charlatans. So, John, please, please, please tell me, how have you been staying bloody awesome in the past week? So I wrote uh, my we have this little note thing that you guys don't see, but uh, I wrote sling it into doctorate. Um, <laughs> and it's a pun, Matt, uh, because I signed up for sling TV. Uh, I've Ooh. been a cable cutter for a long time, I think like eight years or more. Um, and we've we've dabbled with the different live stream TV, but for like the last couple of years, we really haven't had live TV. Like we have like Hulu where you can get the TV shows like the day after that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. um, most part have not had live TV. But because, as I mentioned, I've really been wanting to watch wrestling. Um, I needed a service that had access to USA Network, uh, TNT and TBS. And Sling was the best option. Um, and I was torn about it. I wasn't sure. And I finally was like, you know what? I, I, I'm going to do it for at least a month um, because I get uh, option. What is it? Um, when you have too many cho- uh, choice paralysis, right? If I have too yeah. many choices to make, I end up making no choice. And so right now, I, I other than the movies we're watching for like podcast or for specific reviews, if I'm just wanting to throw something on in the background, it takes too long for me to decide. I'm like paranoid and panicked. Like, I don't want to commit to this or I'd rather watch. If I'm going to watch this, I want to watch it and I can't watch it right now. I can't give it my attention. And that's what like, old. I love watching reruns, you know, like uh, syndicated, like like friends I've seen through its seasons. Like I can't even tell you how many times I've seen all of friends or at least many episodes of friends because I would just throw it on whatever channel it was on and just let it cycle. You know, I didn't care. I can jump into any episode cause I've seen them all. So I don't need to see it in any kind of sequential order. And I haven't had that option for a while. I mean, technically mm-hmm. there's stuff like Pluto TV and that kind of stuff, but those still feel like you have to make a choice because it's like, they are very specific networks. Like it's like, here's a mystery science theater 3000 channel. So I needed something where I could just turn TV on flip through the channels. If I want to find something that I'm satisfied with and leave it. And 
after a lot of deliberation, Sling made the most sense. And again, be, heavily because I was like, I want to watch wrestling. And Matt, I don't know if you know this, man, but wrestling right now between AEW and WWE is Monday night, Wednesday night, Friday night twice because there's SmackDown. And then right after SmackDown, there's an mm-hmm. AEW show. Okay. And then Saturday night, there's an AEW show. And I'm like, that's a lot of nights of wrestling right away. So if I'm like needing to like work or write, I can just throw wrestling on in the background and and entertain myself while I get stuff done. And uh, so I, I that's how I decided to approach my first semester of uh, of the doctorate program was like, I need a version of live TV I can just throw on and forget about. No, I dig it. No, no, no. And uh, the uh, sports entertainment isn't a bad thing to put on in, in the background. My friend, I know you've got a hell of a lot of work going ahead of you in the next few years, but if anyone can do it, John Burke can do it. And I'm glad that you are going to have uh, the bloody awesome movie podcast to give you a little distraction, to give you a little bit of escapism from what's going on in the real world. But, um, no, it sounds very, very interesting, and I hope you can, uh, excuse me, keep up with that wrestling multiple times a week as well. But who knows? Maybe that will be the thing that catapults you towards your uh, doctorate, and it will be a good memory to look back on. My one is a lot less academic and a lot less educational, but possibly a little bit more painful uh, on the old legs rather than the brain. I've been doing a lot of pounding this week, JB, and by that I should probably give some context. A lot of pounding of the pavement. I've been out running because... Um, we mentioned off air a flippant remark. Which you mentioned, you mentioned like people do marathons. You sign up, you don't quite know what you're getting yourself into. Now I've done a marathon in 2015. I did the London Marathon, 27 miles of hell, um, but I did it. And then I've also now signed up to do a half marathon in a 10 weeks time. Oh wow! Uh, guy, oh yeah, the guys I work with are doing it. One of the guys I work with, he's a very athletic guy, very kind of you know, big built. He, you know, takes his gym seriously but not overkill that makes sense not 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 an entire gym buff um and he's signed up for it and he sent me the link he said oh go on why don't you do this this was like last november i said oh i'm not doing that and then my boss signed up and he's like uh older than i am um i was like oh god damn it and then somebody else signed up and, they, and they, nobody nobody was saying oh come on do it you got to do it and i was like man i don't want to be anyone who doesn't do it so I kind of took it as a sort of, as a kind of outlet of pride, a little bit of ego because I want to be able to say I've done it. And also, uh, and a little bit of competitiveness, but also just the idea of, can you do it one more time? Once I did the marathon, the big one, I was like, I'm not doing any more of that. It hurts too much. It's too much training. Um, and, you know, I've done it. We you know once you've done the big one, what can you do after that other than more big, long marathons? But I was like, you know what, 13 miles, I reckon I can do this easily enough. I started doing a bit of training last year, but of course, it's all it's all outside. It's only it's a local one, um, the half marathon. So I haven't got to go anywhere, but it's still thirteen miles or however many kilometres that is. And yeah, it was out on the pavement. Excuse me, yesterday and today, just to get the old knees used to running on the pavement again. And man, does it hurt! Man. That's where that's where the cough it came does. from earlier on because I still need to regiment my breathing i'm still kind of if once i start to get out of breath i start to kind of really sort of <gasps> from the mouth when you, you gotta go nose through through your nose out through your mouth and the coughing starts where i just cannot get the breathing right and i've done this many times i just need to relearn how to do it um but no yeah hopefully and also at the same time in my in my long-standing uh, desire to blb to be like burke it'll also be good for the old um the old uh, weight loss for the health for um 
mental health, obviously feeling good about yourself as well, so that it will have good ramifications down the line. It's just getting over that first week or two of doing it and get it to become the norm. But I've got 10 weeks, John. I've got 10 weeks. I'd imagine some of these bloody autumns will have the will have the uh a similar ring to it but listen i'm i know a lot of the guys i don't think they listen to this anyway but they're, they're all kind of going for that two hour time and i'm kind of joking along saying yeah i'll beat you all i've got you all on toast it's listen in reality as long as, as long as i cross that finish line that's a huge win for me i haven't done any exercise fully i've done it on and off but nothing major in years so this will be huge so uh it's big dude that's big it, it's it is, hard it's very Running hard on pavement is hard so I'm doing it for all the bampites out there. You know, I've got well, you back. Good luck, sir. Keep us posted for sure. Oh, I will do. But uh, yeah, I'm looking to. I'm looking for the positives, and uh, uh, I will be doing it for charity as well. So I'll get some news on that going forward. But that's how I've been staying bloody awesome, JB. It seems like we've both had we've had differing paths this week, but no less um, exciting either way. I'd say, indeed. Now, um, I mentioned the beekeeper earlier on, and John and myself, we, we aren't going to be keeping bees, though we do come up with a lot of honey. It's called this show. Um, so next week, we are going to be talking about The Beekeeper, the latest film starring Jason Statham. It's directed by David Eyre of uh, Suicide Squad Infamy or Fame. But if for any reason we decide, actually, do you know what? We are going to cover Mean Girls the Musical. It all depends on whether I can see it or not. We may cover the mean girls um film we may or may not it's, it depends on me however the beekeeper is the film for next week otherwise unless something does change so look out for that looking forward to discussing it uh with jb now mm-hmm. in the meantime we want to hear what you thought about night swim were we too critical about this film did you love it did you not like it or did you agree with us entirely let us know on social media please do follow us on twitter at bamp underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast jb where are we on instagram and threads bloody a bloody awesome movie pod man i haven't logged into threads in a minute uh yes neither have i which is why i keep forgetting about it so uh yeah threads check it out uh we're also on tiktok like i've mentioned we drop short reviews of some of the films we've seen outside of our main discussion so please do go follow us on there just search for bloody awesome movie pod on tiktok facebook bloody awesome movie podcast and our tomato our reviews hit the tomato meter we are a rotten tomatoes approved podcast so uh check out the tomato meter for the films we talk about because you're probably going to see the bloody awesome movie podcast contributing to the score if you want to follow me to talk about films you can do go to what i watch tonight.co.uk uh, or search for what i watch tonight across all the social medias including letterboxd uh, john where are you I'm at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Yes, sir. And if you like what we're doing here, we're entering our sixth or seventh year of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I do forget. I think it's a seventh year we've been around. Uh, we certainly hope you like what we do because we love doing it. But if you wouldn't mind giving us a five-star review and a rating on your podcast provider of choice, that would be extremely well-received by us. It means we can get more listeners in, we can keep growing, and we can hear from more film fans each and every week as a result. But with that, as always, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody. 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 Blood, blood, bloody. Awesome.